0: Good morning. Welcome to Lifespring Bible Church. Okay, uh, I'm here this morning because Greg is and Palzetta are roughing it. You have to pray for them. They're in, <laughs> they're in Hawaii. Uh, they have a cabin near, right on the beach at called Bellows Air Force Base, and they're getting some well-deserved rest and well-deserved time with each other and with the Lord. So. Uh, when I know when they get back, they're going to be refreshed and just eager to go. So um, let's pray for them and pray for the message this morning. Lord, we do lift up our pastor and his wife to you, Lord. We pray that you'd uh, keep them safe, just bless them. I know that they're praying for us even at this very moment, Lord. Uh, I pray that you'd just let them have a sweet time with each other, but also with you, Lord. A time of refreshing. And that they would come back just uh, ready to step into the role that you've given them. And Lord, for us this morning, we pray that you'd give us hearts to receive. And Lord, that this message would be what I believe you're putting on my heart to be. That's an encouragement to us, Lord. Just a total encouragement. One that we would be able to take with us this week. Once again, thank you for meeting us here. And we love you, Lord. And we offer these things in faith. In your name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen past few weeks we've been given some great teaching and instruction, uh, an explanation of the biblical principles of the triangle. Okay. Uh, we're blessed as a church family to have two young men, okay, young to me at least, uh, Eric and Ryan in our body. They both taught the past two weeks. Okay. Uh, these gifted teachers and I really believe they're part of the future here at LifeSpring. So we're blessed to have them. <clears throat> but I also need you to understand, when they arrived, they didn't come gift-wrapped. Okay? They didn't have a bow on them with a little card that, Greg, these are gifts for you. They're going to be teachers and leaders in the church, your dad, God. it okay? didn't have that card. <laughs> okay. What they did come as were literally diamonds in the rough. Greg recognized that they were two men that loved the Lord, but what he did was invested in their lives. He did what's called huddle with them. Okay? And to stay, what's like nine months? Okay? Like nine months of just intense fellowship with them, teaching, instruction. He loved them, fellowship with them, did community with them, and he equipped them to recognize and use the gifts that God's given them. Okay? He did the in with them. He took them to the up, Taught them what God had equip, equipped them to do. Taught them their need to be able to fellowship with God, to remain in constant contact. Then the in, that constant <laughs> one-on-one, that sharing with them. And then the up. Taught them what their responsibility was, what the blessing it was to be able to do the out, okay? to be able to reach people. My prayer today is that we'll recognize we have a room full of diamonds in the rough. You may not look at yourself that way, but that's how God views you. We're a community of gifted lovers of God. That's going to be the focus today. That's what I want to share. That's what I pray that you'll take with you as you leave here today. (coughs) Now, I'm not going to tell you. You've seen that silly Geico commercial with Pinocchio. You have potential. You have potential. And his, gro- his nose keeps growing. Okay. I'm not going to tell any one of you that you have potential. You know why? Potential is a French word that really means you haven't done anything yet. Okay. You've, if you're a, a daughter or a son of God, you've done something already. Okay. You've reached out and you've accepted the free gift. You've gone from a sinner to a saved saint. Okay, we're all sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Okay? We've gone from no hope to the hope of eternity with the Lord. Okay? You've already done something. And if you're really honest, and if you haven't been somebody that just accepted the Lord on the way here this morning, okay, then you've been a believer for any length of time. You have to know there have been times when God has used you. Maybe just to speak to somebody. Maybe just to encourage somebody. But you are... A diamond in the rough now understand diamonds in the rough are still diamonds they're still diamonds all it means is in the hands of the master there's a chisel that chips away all the rough edges so that they become that diamond that diamond that reflects light in such an awesome way and that's what God is doing with each of us okay so the triangle okay it starts with up okay We have to receive and seek God daily, moment to moment. We're equipped to live through him and in him, to recognize our identities in the Lord as his church, his bride, and his kids who he loves. But the one motivation that makes the triangle work, all three aspects of the triangle, is expressed through love. Love makes it work, folks. That's the only thing that makes it work. Knowing God's love for us, loving him, and then loving others. In, the up, the in, and the out. Up because we understand, first, how much he loves us. As a believer, do you understand how much he loves us? Not totally, right? But do you believe he does? Well, you can respond, okay? Do you believe that he loves us? Yes. Good. And because he loves our brothers and sisters, our family, okay, that's the in. But you also have to understand that he has an intense, enduring, perfect love for the backslider too, the wayward son or daughter, and for the lost. That's the out, okay? That's what we're going to be focusing on today is the out, I think it's important for us to look at love, though, and what that really means and how it relates to these verses and, these, and what we're looking at in the triangle. 1 John 4, 16 tells us, God is love. Now, some versions say, well, all of them say, God is love. And we know that. Think about it. God, love. They're one and the same. You have to understand that we don't even understand what love is. We can't know what love is. We can't express it. We can't receive it if we don't first know the love that is in God. That God is love. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Now, some versions say we love him because he first loved us, which is true. But it's, you don't have to put that him in there because it really translates, we love because he first loved us. You realize that people in your, in your life that you love, you can't love them without love, God first loving you. Jesus Himself said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. Now, when Jesus said that, I hope you understand how radical those words were. Okay? Uh, they were an- the antithesis. That means the direct opposite of how the unsaved saw and still do see God. Please understand this. That triangle we look at, the up, the in, the out, can't work for religion. It only works in a relationship. And it's one based on love. 2 Corinthians 5.14 tells us the love of Christ compels us, compels us, okay, religion tells you do this, don't do that, live by this rule, by that rule, this work is what you have to do, relationship says to get it, all we have to do is love God and his people, okay, there's a difference, okay, sure God tells us don't do this because he loves us, just like you instruct your kids. But it's not, you have to do that to get this, okay? It's not works, it's relationship. That's why the up goes to the in and then the out. Now, you think that that truth of God's unconditional love would be the most radical thing that Jesus ever said. But I think he said something equally as radical. In John five seventeen. He said, he answered them, my father's working until now. My father's working until now. And I myself am working. If you thought a loving God was radical to the pagans, (laughs) to the unsaved, the thought of a God that works for us is equally, if not even some ways, more radical to them. It is. It is the exact opposites of the, how, they see, how they see and saw God. At best, the unsaved, the pagans thought their gods were sometimes benevolent, sometimes nice to them, but always harsh taskmasters that demanded they earn their God's small g favor, okay? and sometimes their occasional benefits they got. It's all about works, but a loving working savior is the greatest example of the up in and out as jesus worked for god's pleasure and for his own glory understand that anybody know what jesus is doing today praying for us (laughs) praying for us still working for us you realize, in Jude it says, that he is able to keep us from stumbling. And if we fall, pick us up. Okay. He's still working. He's still doing those things for us. Luke 19.10, Jesus explained it. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know what? Seeking means going to find. And saving means accomplishing something. The work Jesus did, he still does. Then he tells them something radical in John 13, 13 through 15. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. Then if I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. I dare you to find anywhere else that there's... Any other religion that says that there's a God that would do that for his people? They can't. For one thing, they're not real gods. But secondly, their whole premise, their whole idea is a God that demands, not a God that gives, not a God that loves unconditionally. He was the greatest example of the triangle at work. Remember, he tells us, You go and do the things that I've done for you. I'm going to ask for a show of hands on this one. Do you sin daily? You know what that means? It means that Jesus has to wash your feet daily. He has to be the one to say, you know, it's one thing to do I'm forgiven everybody's sins all at once because I died on the cross. What an awesome thing. There's another thing for us to be saved and go and do the same sin over and over again. Think of the patience and the love of God. That's what he does daily. And that's what he's telling us. I require that of you. It can only be required of us. We can only perform it if we are performing the out. I want us to look at how he demonstrated God in his life. You know, he taught the the multitudes. We see that so many times, teaching the thousands. But he also reached out to touch individual hearts. If you remember in John 3, and John chapter 3, with Nicodemus, he took the time to one-on-one explain to Nicodemus what it meant to be born again. In John chapter 4, he met with the Samaritan woman. First, all by himself, he met with a woman and a Samaritan woman. And he knew that she was an adulteress, but he did that. Why? Because he wanted to meet her one-on-one and minister to her needs. He said, give me the, something to drink. Okay. Then he explained to her that I am the living water. Okay. And he said, he explained to her that there would be a day when we would worship in spirit and truth. He spelled out this to her because he loved her, the individual. In Luke 8, when the man came to Jesus and said, please help me, my daughter has been of 12 years, he'd been the love of her life for 12 years, is sick and near dying. Jesus started to go there to heal her. The the people thronged him. Everybody wanted to touch him. And he stopped and said, who touched me? Think about it. His disciples said, what do you mean, who touched you? All these people are trying to reach out no but somebody touched me in faith and he stopped and that woman they had the issue of blood for 12 years think about it the man joy for 12 years this woman pain and anguish for 12 years he healed her and he expressed to her you have faith but you need to have more perfect faith one-on-one how he reached out to these folks in his teaching He always taught that one person is worth saving. Remember the prodigal son. The only time we see a picture of God running is in this instance. We see him waiting for that wayward son to come back. When he does, what does he do? He runs out to greet him, hugs him, and says, my son is back. That's a God who loves not only us, but those who were walking away from the Lord. Those who were sidestepping, backsliding, call it whatever you want. The parable of the hundred sheep. Jesus said that a shepherd had a hundred sheep, one left. He left the 99 to go find that one. Again, that's an example for us. about the woman who had ten coins, lost one. She tore her house apart looking for that one coin. When she found it, she brought our neighbors in, and they had a big party because she was so happy. And Jesus said, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who saved. You see the heart of Jesus. The awesome thing we need to remember, because it's an example for us, that he touched, he touched people, sometimes by only a word or by only a touch. You remember Mary at the womb, at the tomb, uh, John 20. Mary at the tomb, all her her companions had left. She was there grieving. Her world had been turned upside down. She saw what she thought was the gardener. What did she say? Please, tell me where you've taken his body. Now, Jesus at that point could have said, Woman, didn't you hear everything I taught you? Didn't you know I was going to come back? It's me. No, he could have, but he didn't. You know what he said? Mary, that one word, that one loving word. And her, ter- her world was turned right side up again, okay? Because she realized that her Savior was alive, okay? She had hope again, no more grieving by one word, the word that he'd used lovingly to her when he talked to her. Mary have you had a word like that from the Lord I'm sure you have but we need to understand that by one word we can touch people's lives we can Peter I love Peter foot and mouth Peter we will, I will die for you before I'll let anybody anything happen to you I'll go with you and if I die I'll have to I'll do it Jesus said before the cock crows, three times you're going to deny me. Okay. What happens? Jesus is being led away. Now, Jesus could have pointed to him and said, I told you so. He should have listened. But what did Jesus do? Didn't even say a word. It says that he looked at Peter. I can't imagine what that look must have been, but it must have been a look of love. It must have been a look of... Compassion towards Peter because Peter wept. Peter wept. And it also put him in a place where he could be restored by just a look. Okay. You guys getting this? <laughs> you understanding? This is the out. This is the out being applied, being used by Jesus, and it should be by us. I think we should all be like Mary, more like Mary, that when we hear Jesus speak a word, we stop and we realize, oh, I need to listen. There's also a warning I feel compelled to give you. I believe one of the worst things that churches can do is focus only on what Jesus did. Now, before you throw stones at me, (laughs) we need to remember what Jesus did. We need to. Praise God for what he did. He enabled us to have life, to be saved. He conquered sin and death. But if we stop there, we do him a great injustice because he is alive and working today. If we neglect to remember what he's doing in our lives and corporately as a body, then guess what? We just do church. We're just doing church. If we're not realizing that he is among us right now, loving us, teaching us, encouraging us, instructing us, forgiving us, we need to know we have a living Savior working in our hearts and working in this body of believers. We need to know that. Now, I'm going to introduce this next slide. Is it up yet? (laughs) Now, Eric had a picture of his son, okay? Ryan had a picture of his daughter, so no other reason. I just want you to have a picture of my grandkids. (laughs) Now, let you know, normally it's $49.99, but today we have 8x10 glossies and the kids will autograph it for $19.99. Okay, just kidding. the reason why I thought, wow, you know what, I can use them as an example because it fits where we're at, okay? Now imagine this. Next to your ear, about every 20 or 30 seconds, the aces. A couple years ago, we went to an aces game. My granddaughter, Annie, she was like three at the time, she was sitting on my lap. Now, she knows absolutely nothing about hockey, right? But she was getting excited over things that were going on because she could see everybody else excited. And every 20 or 30 seconds, it was right in my ear. <laughs> and only because I felt sorry for the people around, I gave, that, <laughs> I gave that to my daughter, this, and said, okay, you keep it for a while, okay? and for my own sanity, too. Okay. But the, the example was that she saw the excitement that people had even though she didn't have an underst- a real perfect understanding of what hockey is, she saw that there was something to be excited about. A few weeks ago, we were watching a football game. Okay? And the little one, Ashton, okay, he would get excited whenever we all did. He'd go and put his hands up and get excited. Okay? He uh, believe me, he didn't even know what football is. But he was excited because he saw us being excited. How important is it that when people come to this fellowship that they see us being excited they see us okay. they need to understand what it is that we have that relationship that deep relationship with the lord if you can't get excited over what god does with you as corporately as a church family then you know what do a heart check. People come in here, they may not understand, they may not be churched at all. Okay? They won't under, understand what sanctify means. They won't even totally understand what grace and mercy means in the context we use it. Regeneration, forget it. But what they can see is a people who love the Lord and are excited over what God's doing. We need to be in that place. We need to be. Um, I realized I missed a whole page of notes <laughs> you're probably looking up there and it didn't correlate okay. um, I think I'm going to jump back John 21 can you find that John 21 15 because this is important when they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these what was his response yes Lord Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus wanted to do something for Peter. He wanted Peter to understand that Peter needed to have, to see people the way Jesus saw people. He needed to identify himself with people the way that Jesus identified himself with people. It's a practical one that Jesus, a practical example and truth that he was trying to teach Peter. Eric shared about the guy on the street corner that he should have gone and, <laughs> and told him what Jesus wanted him to, to tell him, but the guy had already left. Okay. I've been there, done that. Okay. What about you, ladies? Have you ever come across a homeless woman? no you somebody that you know maybe just you find yourself without even thinking about it okay walking to the other side or walking around them how many of you have reached out by going to the prisons to talk to a prisoner okay ladies are ladies that are in prison too okay. I'm not trying to put a heavy burden on you i'm trying to say that there are people that we normally would never interact with jesus is saying that's also an opportunity for the out for you. You need to see them the way that I see them. As I was studying this, uh, I went to to Friday, I went to pick up a pizza for the family at uh, Papa John's and a whole bunch of people were in there, okay? They were milling around and all of a sudden it occurred to me, um, how many of these people really know the Lord? How many of them really know who Jesus is? Same thing occurred to me when I went to, to Walmart. I'm in mean, there, and there's people just passing by there people look happy. People look disturbed, angry, because <laughs> they're shopping, right? Um, but I'm wondering, how many of those people really know Jesus? Couldn't talk to all of them. I didn't feel imp- led by the Lord to talk to one in particular, but I prayed. And I have been in that place where Jesus said, just go strike up a conversation with them. Ask them how they're doing. Acts, after Acts 2, now, Brian gave us a great example last week of Acts 2 telling us what it meant for the church to be loving one another, going house to house, breaking bread. What the result was? Daily, the Lord added to that church. But in Acts 4, Beginning of verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now remember, this is after we see God doing what he did in Acts 2, how the church came together. What did they think about these guys? Well, they're nobodies, but look at what they're doing. Look at what they're accomplishing. And he said, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Question. After church on Sunday, you go out to eat, okay? You go out to lunch or something, you know. After you've had what you feel like is a great time of fellowship and being with family, next day on Monday, if you go to work, how many people will notice and say, wow, you know, Eric, he's been with Jesus this weekend. How many will say, Dennis, he spent G- time with Jesus. am not picking on you guys. But what I'm saying is there is a tangible way that people can see Jesus in our lives because we spent time with him. My wife used to be able to tell me, Michael, you prayed lately? Have you, did you pray this morning? Did you spend time with the Lord? Because she knew that there was a difference in how I was acting and reacting to her. She nailed me. Okay. I'm sure you've been there where you know when someone has, is walking and having that relationship with the Lord and you know when somebody has been out of fellowship with Jesus. Then verse 18, they call him and charge him not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, I love it, because he turned it back on them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. Hey, God's told me to do this. You think I shouldn't? You take it up with God. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Now, I'm going to date some of you, and there may be some of you who say, who? But there was a guy years ago, maybe even 25 years ago, Tom, I don't know if you're... (laughs) Um, one of the guys might remember his name was Don Francisco he was a singer and he sang a song that said remember gotta tell somebody it was a story of, of the woman, the daughter who was healed and Jesus said don't tell anybody and his whole song was but I gotta tell somebody I gotta tell somebody okay? if you had that kind of reaction has that been in your heart you know what man, what Jesus has done for me, okay? Excited over what he's doing in your life. Excited for the provision he brings. Excited for the forgiveness he's given you. Excited that you have brothers and sisters that love you, that you love them. Man, i got to tell somebody about this. If it's not happening, pray and ask the Lord to give that desire to you. Because that's the out, folks. That's the out. When we're sharing with people something you need to remember and understand. Sometimes what you say isn't going to speak to their hearts as much as what you do. They need to see a difference in how we view and how we do life. You should allow them to know that you have trials, but you also have to give them the why. They want to know how you respond to those trials. And then you have to tell them why you do. Okay. It's important to give them the what and then the why. See, people don't need to hear an echo. Okay. How many of you ever tried to follow an echo? Okay. It ain't happening. People don't need to hear an echo. In other words, they don't need to hear you on a Monday, oh yeah, I went to church and the pastor said this, 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 and that and they don't see it being active in your life. All you're doing is telling them what you heard. What they need to see is the truths that are true to your heart and in your life. Those are the ones that are going to change them. Those are the ones that you've told them, you've shown them that they've been forged in the fiery trials of my life. And in these areas, God has been faithful, and they're part of my belief are part of my walk. Those are the ones that are going to change hearts. John 13, 34, Jesus told us, a new commandment I give you. Remember, he told them, what's the greatest commandment? You love love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and who else? Others, okay? Then now he tells them, but I have a new commandment on top of that for you. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. You want to know how that, what the kind of love is? Look at Corinthians 13. Okay. Thinks no evil, speaks no evil. Okay. You know the list. If you're not doing that, then you're just a clanging symbol. It said, love people the way I have loved you. And then he gives us a promise. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have one love one for another. How is it that they saw John and Peter and knew that they had been with Jesus? Part of it was because how much they love people, how much they love people. The world is looking at you. For better or worse, people that are unsaved want to know, if you're claiming to be a Christian, if you're talking about the Lord, they want to know. How you're acting. They want to know how you're putting into practice in your life. They want to know if you love them, truly love them. And they might test you. (laughs) In fact, they will. But if you pass the test by keeping your eyes on Jesus and loving them the way he's loved you, guess what? That's what changes hearts. That's what you call lifestyle evangelism. When you witness to people, remember this. If you have to, it's okay to talk. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. When you witness to people, if you have to, it's okay to talk. Because sometimes you don't even have to say anything, you just have to be what you want them to know. You have to be the person who trusts God, be the person who loves them and loves God, be the person who knows that they are saved, that they are forgiven and a person who can forgive others. Again, it's not what you speak that changes hearts sometimes, it's what you do with your life. I'm gonna quickly read uh, a parable here. It's a, I'm gonna have, I've got some copies of the door if you'd like a copy when you leave, but you may have heard this already. It's a parable of a life-changing station. And it's, I think it's great for us as a church. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, and with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station, so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to be associated with the station and gave their time and money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. But some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided at the first refuge of those saved from the sea so they replaced the emergency cots with bed and put better furniture in an enlarged building now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as a sort of club you see where this is going i hope less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The mission of Life Saving Station was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. Really quickly, it's okay for you to have, for us to have a paid pastor, okay? <laughs> Because a man's worthy of his wages, okay? We have to have office staff, but we can't expect them to do all of God's work for us. We can't. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick. Some of them were a different color, and some spoke a a strange language. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up, so the property committee immediately had a shower built outside the club where the victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that the life-saving station was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast, which they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that occurred in the old. They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit Seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are often still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown. It's heavy, huh? We need to be careful that we never find ourselves in that place. See, the up is awesome. So is the in. You guys, I love watching you guys interact with each other when I said stand up and say hi to one another. But this isn't the best, guys. The best is when we bring new people in, when we experience the out. When we see ourselves grow and there's new people, people you may not have normally been associated with, but they come in and you have a chance to love on them and you know that they are saved. They are now members of the family. That's awesome, that's awesome. We need to be careful that we don't get so exclusive with our love for one another, we forget the need to reach out, to do outreach. I believe that out of the love, out of the triangle, is our mandate, our response to the love that we receive from the Lord. I believe that every one of us that says LifeSpring is our home is responsible for making sure we contribute to, remaining it, to it remaining a life-saving station. We're all responsible because the church isn't this chapel, guys. The church is us. Is us. If you would, turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. I'll try to walk you through this pretty quick. Everybody there? 1 Samuel 17, 26. Okay. Now, to set it up, a giant named Goliath was... Telling the, the army, the Jewish army, hey, come and get me. Okay. You send your best guy out, we'll fight. Whoever loses, that army will surrender to the other army. Okay. This guy was nine feet tall, folks, <laughs> a giant. David's response For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 26. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with the Philistines. I'll go take him on. Now, this is a young teenager, right? (laughs) I'll go take him on. Saul said, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, but for you are but a youth, verse 33. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. When there was a lion or bear, and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered him, delivered out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I love this, I caught him by the beard, struck him, and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Now this is so important. Please catch this. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That was where he placed his trust. He knew what God had already done in his life. He knew that truth. He knew he could trust God. He had a gift from God to be able to defend the sheep, to be able to accomplish this with this sling. Saul said to him, Go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped a sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, Please note this. I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put him off. Then he took a staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. I asked Eric to do something. He's going to pass out something, a gift to you guys. As he's doing that, I want you to understand that you can't effectively engage in spiritual warfare with the borrowed armor or weapons, those weapons have to be tested. Those weapons have to be. They have to be tested by you in life. Okay. Okay, I'll explain, guys. Just hold on. <laughs> they have to be exp- exp- They have to have been tested. You have to have seen God use them in your life. Please understand, when we talk about the out, you don't have to say, well, I have to be like Pastor Greg. No. You don't have to be like Eric or me or Ryan. Ladies, you don't have to be like Palzetta. You have to be like them as they love the Lord, but you don't have to be a duplicate of them. You don't even have to, to be used by the Lord in the same fashion that they are. Because God has given them gifts. He has equipped them to do what he has set them out to do. He's given them their armor. He's given them their weapons. You have been given a set of armor that's only fitted for you, weapons that are only fitted for your hand. What did David do? He went down to the brook, took five stones in a sling, and went out against this nine-foot-tall giant, Goliath. And guess what? He won took that sling, put a rock right there in the middle of his forehead. When he came, fell down, he took his own sword, chopped his head off. I'm giving you those stones, those five stones. And what I'm going to ask you to do this week is put them on a nightstand, put them somewhere where you'll see them. Empty them out of the bag. And beginning tomorrow, five days, every day, ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to do today? What gift have you given in my life? What have you shown me that you've done with me in the past that I can do to minister to somebody? Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's somebody at work that you need to try and reach out to. Okay. It's a family member. Maybe you need to call somebody and tell them you've forgiven them or ask them to forgive you. After you've done that, put that rock back in the bag. At the end of the week, if you have all five of them in there, you know what? I, Shouldn't be given guarantees from the pulpit, right? But I'm going to guarantee this one because I know God. At the end of the week, if you've done that, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And you're going to know that you have gifts in your life because God's going to remind you. God's going to show you. That's what I want you to take away from this today. Again, you're all diamonds in the rough. Okay? You all have gifts that God has given you. Tammy's gifts are different from mine. Okay. Adam, my son, his gifts are different than mine. Dennis, your gifts are different than mine. Okay. We know that. We know that to be true. Tom, your gifts are just different. No, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, But praise God that he has given you those gifts. He's equipped you in the past. You have to remember, go back and pray and ask God to show you, to remind you of the times that he has touched people's hearts and their lives by using you in a way maybe you didn't even realize he was doing it. Or maybe whenever he gave you that mandate, you know what, just talk to him. Go over and, you know, Ron, can I tell him? Okay, thank you. Ron one time, this guy that came to his work and asked for $10, and before he could ask, Ron knew, he actually asked for money, but Ron gave him a $10, that's all he had, okay? $10 bill. And he was gonna get something that day. He was waiting for this new drink that was gonna come out. Okay? And after he did that, the people who were there said, did you guys did you give that guy some money? And he said, yeah. And he said, did he give you his bike? And Ron said, no. The guy had been trying to sell his bike. He said, here, take this bike. I just need some money. I'm um, short money to be able to fly to Seattle. I believe it was Seattle. To go see my mom. She's really sick. Okay? He didn't even get a chance to express that story to Ron before Ron had given him that money. Now, okay, don't know if that guy realized that Ron was doing that because he was a believer, but the guys that he works with do and did. They saw he didn't even know about the bike. He just reached out to this guy. This guy was desperate. And because of the leading of the Lord, because the Lord told him, give him the money, he was able to touch somebody's heart. Okay. You all have stories like that. Okay. Pray and ask God to show you. And then utilize those. Utilize those. please know this Um, just like me greg ryan eric melissa tammy all of us in leadership we're all a work in progress just like you diamonds in the rough, and realize that sometimes it's painful but god has got that chisel in his hand and that hammer and he's breaking away those rough edges okay but you know the awesome thing is in his hands as a master craftsman, as a person who loves that diamond so much. Okay? He's not going to make a wrong stroke. He's not going to make a wrong hit. Okay? He is going to shape us into what will be able to reflect him to a dying world. Okay? I've given you those stones. I'm going to ask you to do that this week. Okay. To take them and Pray. And ask God how you can use it. Okay? You want to keep doing it after that? Please do so. Okay? Now, there's no magic in those stones, but there is a reminder to you of God's faithfulness. That's what I'm going to take you, I want you guys to take with you today. Please, please. Don't short, don't use the right words here. We know we're sinners. We know that, okay. Yeah, you can bring your team up. We know, there's, we know we're sinners, but we also know that we serve a God who's faithful. And God tells us, I use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Okay. You can put your hands up if you believe that's about you too. Okay. I use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Okay. Guess what? If you were a person who had so much money that you could give out to people, you know, without even missing it, hey, good for you. But it wouldn't bring glory to the Lord the way it would or the way it does. Like in Ron's case, $10. <laughs> that he'd been waiting to buy something. Okay. And just, just to finish off, one of the, his fellow workers came and brought him that drink. He okay. said, here, he bought it for him. Because he saw what a witness it was just to reach out to that person. Please take that with you. Okay. I'm going to ask you to please close your eyes. Okay. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you just to, to listen to the prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful, Lord. That you choose to use us. Do you tell us that we will be blessed, Lord, if we spend time with you, if we spend time with family, and if we have a heart to produce the out, if we have a heart to share with people, if we have a heart to touch people, people in need? We know that as much as we give to you in worship and doing those things, how much more you're gonna bless us. We don't do it because you're gonna bless us, Lord. We do it because we love you. But we thank you that we cannot give you. And we trust that you're gonna equip us. That you're gonna give us examples this week. You're gonna give us an opportunity just to see you work in our lives and work in the lives of others. Because the ability that you require from us, Lord, is just availability and you've given us the tools to be able to be used for your glory. And now I want to ask you, please, and remain keeping your eyes closed, if there's anybody here today who doesn't yet know the Lord, if you want to take this opportunity, just ask him into your lives. Just show me your hands, and we'll pray for you. I'm not going can ask you to come up here in front of everybody. Just have that opportunity to say I need Jesus in my life. Okay, Lord, by the, sh- by the lack of hands, I pray that it does mean that everyone in this room is saved. But keep your eyes closed for a moment because I'm going to challenge you. i want to ask you, and I'm going to ask you to, to respond to this. Do you want more of Jesus in your life? Do you want to be able to be a better example of the out for folks. You want to be used by him to reach people. If you do, not that you're not doing it, but if you want more of that, then I want to see a show of hands, please, and we can pray for each other. Okay? Do you want more of that? Lord, you see the hands, you see the hearts, where we know you're faithful, and we know that you are going to bless. So I pray that you'd bless my brothers and sisters. Let it be a sweet time as they leave here today, a fellowship with each other, but also with you. And this week will be, we pray because of you, a milestone in their walk, that they will be able to know that you met them here today and that you are faithful. And we offer these things in faith and with thanksgiving. In your name, our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs>